Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the third sermon in our church's Turn the Lights On Again series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click Online Worship. Good morning. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor here, to be a pastor and to get to be pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. The season of Epiphany is a season in the traditional church calendar that follows Christmas and precedes the season of Lent. Epiphany means appearance or manifestation, and it's marked by the Magi coming from the east, guided by a star to come and see the manifestation of God in the baby Jesus. And so, like that star that guided the Magi, the light of Christ guides us, or we're invited to follow that light, and not only for ourselves, but that we would be indwelled, that that light would shine in us and reflect into others, that they might also be a part of this journey. And so our sermon series this January for the season of Epiphany is entitled, Turn the Lights On Again. Because there's times in our lives where the light was bright and then sometimes maybe we let it get turned down. We turned it down or just let it get turned down. And so this season you're invited to turn the lights on again. Our key verse for this series comes from the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. It's on the screen. Follow along with me. It reads, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Today we're in part three. Turn the lights on again. Called by God. Called by God. Well, in spite of the cold weather, did y'all know what week it is? It's the Birmingham Boat Show week. Isn't that ironic? It's like the coldest time of the year. We're going to get on our boats. When I saw that advertised, I was like, oh, that's the date. I put it in my calendar. I'm going this year. That'd be a fun day. Go and look at all the boats that are there. They have boats for fishing. They have ski boats for people that ski. And they have pontoon boats for people that watch other people fish or ski. It's a good time. But there are tens of thousands of guests each year that go to that and look and put their hands on maybe their dream boat. The trouble is many of them turn that into a dream boat payment. You know what I mean, right? And so whenever I got close to the date for the boat show, I decided I might not ought to go because I might let that fun day turn into a five or ten year commitment, right? Anybody got boats? They're a, well, anyway. But many people do go to a boat show and wind up coming home or getting a boat soon thereafter. In fact, I looked up this stat. In Alabama alone, in the state of Alabama alone, there are $800 million a year spent on boats and boats accessories. That's a lot of money. And you know, it's all going to feed people because you fish and then you feed. <laughs> 
I looked up, too, how much we spend on groceries, and we spend 10% of our total grocery bill equivalent on boats, you know, because it's all going to feed people. Well, you know, I don't know how much we feed people because fish stories, you know, from our fishing. But anyway, enough about that. It's a thought that if you're going to feed your family through fishing or hunting, right, the natural way, you got to put some work into it, right? If it's more than a hobby, you got to have some experience. You got to have some training. You got to have the equipment. You got to have the diligence. You got to have the time. And you got to have the time. And you got to have the time. But most of us, this may be the case for you if you hunt or fish, it's more in the category of a hobby. We go when the weather's nice. If it gets too bad, we come home. If we are worried about catching or claiming anything. We get a biscuit on the way by Jack's and a taco on the way home at Taco Bell. And so it's not that important in our sustenance. But in our faith journey, we're called to be fishers of men or to fish for men. And that's a a metaphor for helping others to receive the light of Christ. We're called by God to do more than just kind of throw out the invitation. Hey, you want to come with me to the lake? Like a hobby or fishing for men. Now it can start like that, but it needs to turn into a passion or one of our core practices. To fish like our life depended on it, like it was our livelihood. In fact, the mission of our church is built around that. And so we're going to look today about that passage Fishing for Men in Mark chapter 1. If you got your Bible or if you downloaded the online worship guide, this passage will be in there. Mark chapter 1. Mark is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark. So the second book in the New Testament. Mark is a gospel. And it's one of the earliest recorded written New Testament books of the gospel. It was oral tradition where first and second hand witnesses shared orally or verbally to others about what they had seen or heard others had seen in the life and ministry of Christ. And so they wrote that down and it became what we know as the gospel of Mark. It begins at the first of this chapter where John the Baptist is the messenger or preparing the way of the Lord in Christ. Earlier on, just before this passage, we're going to look at Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And Jesus goes and is tempted for a season in the wilderness. And he comes out of that baptism and temptation and begins to expand his ministry by inviting others along for the journey. We pick up there in Mark chapter 1, begin reading in verse 14. We'll go through verse 20. If you got a Bible app, I invite you to switch to the New Living Translation or NLT if you want to follow along word for word. The words should also be on the screen. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 reads, Later on, After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into water, for they fished for a living. 
Verse 17, Jesus called out to them, Come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. This passage we read, it includes the twofold portion of the gospel. In verse 15, we hear the first of that, the invitation to repent of your sin and believe the good news. We know this as the invitation to salvation. To be saved simply requires repenting of your sin or turning from doing it your way and turn and start doing it God's way. And then to believe in the gospel or that Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died a guiltless death, and he rose from that death, proving that he was, in fact, God, that he is trustworthy. Now, the second part of the gospel is to then make Jesus Lord of your life, to experience salvation and be on the path of sanctification, not merely to seek forgiveness from sin or from its eternal consequences, but to actually make Jesus Lord of your life, to follow him, to follow his commands, to even be an advocate for his kingdom, where at one time you were an adversary. We see that second fold part of the gospel in verse 17. Jesus called out to Simon and Andrew, follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. This is as if they knew exactly what it meant because of their trade. Jesus invited them into the second half of the gospel. It's not the only part of our calling as followers of Jesus, but it's a big part of it. And it's an important one that we cannot forsake, not to be ignored. See, God is calling you to salvation and to be a part of that for other people. I don't know if you, when you start to communicate with someone prefer to make a phone call. Some of you may prefer a text message. Some of you may prefer a, a direct message in a social media platform. Some of you may send an email or some of you may even write a letter or go and visit them. If you've lived more than a week, you've seen the preferred communication change. In just my short 50 years of life, I've seen that change. There was a time in my life when there was only one phone in the whole family. One phone! And it was mounted to the kitchen wall and it was a black box and it had this dial thing in the center of it. And you used it to enter the numbers. And oh, it was fun as a kid when the phone rang. You see, there was a time in my life when my parents said, no, don't touch the phone. Because you'd pick it up and dial something and somebody would be like, hello, and kids, you know, so you get in trouble. And so we were not allowed to do that. But when it rang, and even though I wasn't supposed to answer, I'd run into the kitchen and be ready to eavesdrop 
for my parents. And who was it they were calling? What were they calling about? It was such an exciting time. And there was a time when my parents said, you're old enough now. You can answer the phone. Do anybody remember getting the privilege of getting to answer the phone? Oh, it was so exciting. And so I still ran to the kitchen to beat my sister there so that I could answer it. And be the one to talk to people. Find out what it was, who it was, and what it was all about. But my, have times changed. Nowadays, you ignore every call you get, don't you? <laughs> right? I try to call some of y'all and y'all, no. <laughs> uh-huh. But why is that? Because it's been cluttered with so much garbage or spam. In fact, we invent systems or apps to try to eliminate all the aggravating calls. We develop things like answer machines. Anybody remember when you got your answer machine in the 80s? A tape that would answer for you. You didn't have to talk to people. Voicemail, we call it now. We also have things like caller ID to see, and it just says spam, 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 right? We have things like caller ID, and we have things like do not disturb apps, right? Where it says just leave me alone, don't even ring. I pay $1,000 for this phone to make sure it stops ringing. To the Jesus follower, the call from God to be a part of making or fishing for men is like that old answer the phone kind of call when I was a kid. Like, it's God calling. Run, answer, talk to him. But I see so many of us, even today, treating God's call more like we treat the spam calls of today. Ah, I get so many calls. There's so much in life I can be a part of. Ah. And we treat God's call like we treat a, a call for one of the other things, a car warranty. Anybody signed up? Yours is about to expire. And so we ignore God's call as if it were just some spam caller. But to the follower of Jesus, God's call is like that young child who was running to the kitchen to answer the phone. It's important. Somebody is calling. Well, let's look at this passage in more depth and how God calls you, if you follow Jesus, to be light and shine it into the world. If you got your worship bulletin, a paper copy, or you downloaded that when we sent you the text, you can follow along, note these passages, and even fill in the blank and take notes that might be helpful to your journey. Number one, called by God to accept the call. Called by God to accept the call. Verse 18 reads, And they left their nets at once and followed Jesus. Called by God to accept the call. It seems redundant, almost rhetorical to say to accept the call, right? But so many of us can deny the call. But the call from God is an urgent call. And the acceptance of that is just as urgent. You tend to procrastinate your response when someone asks something of you. If you're a child living at home, you should just raise your hand right now, right? <laughs> right? If you said, mom said, and it's like two weeks later, right? Some of you do that at work. Some of you do that with your spouse. 
What about when God asks something of you? The call from God is not for kicks and grins, but to transform your life and the life of others through God's light shining in you. I remember a time when I was first appointed as a pastor in a Methodist church. We had these things at that time called, or these people called district superintendents. Some of you have been Methodist for a long time, no? And that role is kind of the overseer of the pastors in the churches in an area. They usually had 50 to 75 churches that they presided over. I met with a district superintendent and he gave me kind of the, the download. He says, I know this church, I know these people, here's what you expect, and, and gave me kind of the lay of the land. And then he went through, he says, here's the reports you'll need to prepare and send in on a regular basis, kind of like your attendance and so forth. You can get somebody to help you do that or you can send it in. And then he said, this is the final but most important instruction for me as the district superintendent. And he showed me his business card. I was like, well, thank you. He says, I want you right now to take out your phone and put my name and my phone number in your phone. He says, if you ever see that name on the incoming call, pick it up unless you're dead. <laughs> right? Now, maybe you've had a boss or supervisor like that. Now, district superintendents are just people, but the role they serve in the church is an important one. They oversee a number of churches, and he was saying, hey, if I'm calling you, it's not just for kicks and grins. It's something important. Either you've got a, a disaster going on, or we've got something we've got to address, or I need to talk with you. And so, if you're not dead, pick up the phone when I call. I admit, I don't always do that today. Right? When I get a call, I'm screening it. Spam, junk, whatever. And I tell even the people I work with and are important in my life, hey, if you need something from me, feel free to call. If I'm busy, I'll just swipe ignore and I'll call you back if you'll leave me a message. But I tell folks, the important ones in my life, that if it's an emergency you think only I can help you with, call me twice. Right, so call me the first time I'm busy, I'll ignore it. But if you're like, nope, there's a fire and only you can put it out, call me right back and I'll see, oh, it's this person I know and that's the second time they called. It must be, excuse me, important. So if my wife calls once, I ignore it. But if it's twice, no. <laughs> Sorry, let me start over. Edit that out of the video. No, if my wife calls twice, I know there's something going on. If some of the other leaders in our church call and there's twice back to back and I don't get the first one and the second one, I'm like, oh, I need to pause this meeting. I don't know if you called right now, but I might pick it up because you called twice, right? So it's important. Do you have God's name and number in your contacts that when he calls, he's calling you to something important? Did you answer? Or does it blend in with all the other spam of your life? Right, the car warranties or the, even the things that feel like important. Oh, the, the ball team coach is calling or the, you know. Do you answer it when God calls or do you make God call again and again and again? You are called by God to accept 
the call. Number two, called by God to notice others. Called by God to notice others. Verse 19 reads, a little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. The call by God to fish for people or to make disciples or evangelize is next a call to notice people. Too often, your response to God's call is hindered by your self-absorbed attitudes or lifestyles. All right, now hear this. God does, in fact, love you. God does, in fact, care about you, but God does not only care about you. Thoughts like, well, what do I need? What do I want? What do I deserve? What are my rights? Can overstep our call by God to notice others. It's okay to pray for your need. In fact, God says do that. You can even pray for your hopes and dreams. But don't let your prayer or your concern for God's call in your life stop with you. Our theme today has been around phones. And I don't know if y'all are aware, but some people are not very aware when they use their phone. Y'all ever been in a store, a restaurant, a public place when somebody gets a call? This is going to be my phone prop. Yes! And you're in the restaurant and they're like right next to you, right? You've been there. You know, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. There's so much noise. Let me put you on speaker. <laughs> and then they put their own speaker. Now you hear both sides of it and they're both screaming. <laughs> Have you ever been this person? No, don't raise your hand. Totally completely unaware of the other people around them, right? Just them and maybe the other person on the phone. God says, I'm calling you so that you'll notice other people. Don't be oblivious. Don't be so consumed with your own life, your own needs, your own hopes and dreams even that you miss noticing other people around you because it's for them I have called you. Don't get so consumed in your own even preferences for your faith journey that you miss God's call to notice other people. For you have no evangelistic impact on others if at first you don't even notice them. You're called by God to notice others. Number three, called by God to share the call. Verse 20 reads, he called them at once. And they also followed them. This is James and John. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. See, after you notice, after you hear the call and respond, accept it, and you start noticing other people, then you can begin to pray for, excuse me, other people. Begin to notice people, you can start investing in other people. When you notice people, you can start inviting other people. Inviting people the truth and love of the gospel of Christ. Inviting people with the, the kindness that illustrates those truth and love. Inviting people to faith in Jesus and to his church. Some of you may have heard of Project 12. Y'all remember that? 
a project every month of 2023 to illustrate God's love outside the walls of the church. Well, guess what? There's a new project in town. I introduced Project 24. At this time, I want to invite Andy Argo to come up. As she's coming up, I want to tell you what Project 24 is. Some of you may think, oh, it's just the name of the year. And it is. But part of that is also two projects a month to illustrate God's love. Oh, you got to come up here. Come on up. Stand down there. You could have just stayed seated for that. Andy Argo. Y'all welcome Andy. Give her a hand. Andy is um, already helped with some stuff last year, and she's going to help me coordinate Project 24 this calendar year. And she comes from experience in church and has been on mission trips and has got a heart for seeing people know Jesus and be transformed for that. And so whenever she calls you as a grow group leader or serve team leader, you're going to be like, yes, I'll take the second week in March as my project and, and so forth. Now, it's not just a making sure we fill up the 24 projects. It is a resource. I'm a resource. If you're like, hey, I'm not sure what my team is going to do, my grow group or serve team for our project 24. When we go outside the walls to illustrate God's love. And so she's make a list, right? Here's some ideas. Here's some places where you can get stuff to give away to people. Here's some places you can go so we don't hit the same place every week with everybody, right? That we spread out. The vision of Project 12 and now 24 is that we would illustrate God's love to everybody in Leeds at least once. I don't know if it'll take us this year or five years. But we're going to keep at it until everybody knows God loves them and this church loves them. And they got a place for them here. Y'all give Andy a hand. I don't know. I should have put her phone number up. And so y'all could put it in there. If she calls you as a grow group leader or serve team leader. But uh, y'all be a part of that. It's a beautiful illustration. Some of the people in this church service right now here because somebody else did a Project 12 or something like it in previous years to where you illustrate God's love and invite people to church. So we're going to keep that going and expand it with Project 24 this year. This week is also a special week because it's the second week of our on-ramp. What is the on-ramp? Let me tell you about this. Our discipleship map is kind of what guides us on our journey or our mission to make paths for more people to know and grow like Jesus. That's our mission. That's why we exist as a church. We don't just exist to have a warm building, although we hope to have a warm building when we worship. But our purpose as a church is to make paths for more people to know and grow like Jesus. And those paths are worshiping, growing, serving, and reaching. And so we invite everyone to take the next step on the path that's best for you. So if you're just coming to church, usually you'll come to a worship service. If you've been coming to a worship service for a little bit, it's like, oh, what's next? Our next step, our next path is to be a part of a grow group. The next step or path is to be in a serve team. And the next is for those to reach out to our community. You're like, well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. That's what an on-ramp is. An on-ramp, you may know in traffic, 
is where you merge in and get up to speed really quick. It's a lot more efficient than a parking lot to get you moving. It's a lot more efficient than a stop sign or a red light. If you know where you want to go, you can take the on-ramp and get going there quick. And so we have two on-ramps a year. We invite folks, especially that are new or not yet in a grow group or serve team, to take the on-ramp and become a part or engage in those. It's also a place for if you've been a part of those and you need to pivot. Maybe your schedule's changed. Maybe your spiritual journey has changed. Maybe you need to change class or the time or work on a different team. Now's the time to look at the on-ramp guide and pick the place or the grow group and serve team that you engage. And so how can you do that? Text the word GROW. G-R-O-W. I think, yeah. And there's our text in number to 205-772-4906. In theory, if you don't sign up, you'll be off the team in the group. So we give everybody a chance to sign back up because you get a choice. I don't want to twist anybody's arm or make somebody do something. This is your opportunity to say, I'm in again. So if you want to be the same grow group and serve team you've been on, there's a place to just check. Keep me in the same stuff. We'll send an email to confirm of which groups and teams you're on. But if you want to sign up for new or change, fill out the form and pick the ones. If you don't pick something, we're not going to put you on there. We'll put you on the ones that you pick. If you're a grow group leader or a serve team leader, I invite you to spend this week reaching out to your teams and your group to invite them back. Give grace if they say, hey, I want to be on a different one this time. Say, well, thank you for being a part last semester. I hope you'll find somewhere I'll even help you if you need it. We invite folks to, to take the on-ramp to be a part. Our semester will begin this spring, go from February to August, and then we'll do another on-ramp in August. I hope, I pray that you'll be a part of an on-ramp where you're growing closer. Be like Christ in this church. Let me pray for us before we begin Holy Communion. God, thank you so much for the blessing of your call. Thank you for the twofold gospel. The gospel to save. The gospel to make us more like you. God, I pray that you're working in us to awaken our hearts to see the call, to answer the call. Notice folks and invite them or share the call with them. God, I pray you help us to do that this year as a church through Project 24. That you'll help us engage in our mission, the on-ramp to grow and serve. God, I pray that you will be glorified and lives will be transformed through your church. Today, this month, and this year. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again and God bless.